Judson, it's great to see you here today. I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're gonna lift our voices together, sing the gospel, sing our testimony today. Lift our voices together to worship our Lord. Here's your invitation. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no
Amen. That's the good news of the gospel this morning. Amen. And our testimony is that that gospel has reached us right where we are and called us out of darkness and called us into the light. It's called us out of the grave and into life. Amen, church. And I search the
in you, oh God. Amen. Tell you what, be seated just for a moment. I want to take a second and welcome you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, you're probably looking up here and noticing a little something different. And you're right, I got a haircut. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. No, uh, obviously we're, we made some changes to the, uh, the setup up here. And we are trying, we've been trying for years actually to find the best way to get the best balance out of singers and musicians in our, in our room. And I don't know if you've been in any other churches. I have been in many churches. It is one of the most difficult things to do in the world. Uh, churches are, are hardly ever built right for audio. And so we've tried all kinds of different things. And this last year we've tried uh, another, another option that you've seen, which is an electronic set of drums. And that we've had some issues with those in this last year and the months that we've tried those. And so we've gone back to an acoustic set of drums, but we put them in this uh, booth that's called an enclosure that tries to contain the sound and be able to, so that we can balance it the best that we can. And it's new for us. So I just want you to know, I appreciate so much you guys being patient with us and working with us and, and supporting us as we try these things to really achieve the goal that we all have, which is to be able to worship in this place in spirit and in truth and have our focus on the Lord and to have the best sounding experience that we can have. And I want to really quickly, it's important to me that we give a really good shout out to our media director, Eric Uplinger, uh, and our drummer, John, who's worked really hard. So can we thank them to get this all together? We appreciate you guys so much. And Every time we make a change like this, any direction, it is a lot of work. And I just want you to understand that. And uh, you get to come and just see that and see the change and enjoy it or whatever. But there's a lot of hours and, and uh, meetings and all kinds of things that go into these decisions. So thank you for understanding that and for being supportive of, of what we're trying to accomplish. And we also want to say that our hearts and prayers are with our pastor today. He is not feeling well. He got sick this week and just in the 11th hour had to say that he, he was going to try to get here and he just couldn't do it. And so uh, yesterday we were able to contact Danny Parmalee. You guys know Danny very well and uh, he's been here many times and we want to thank him for stepping in to pinch hit for our pastor Jeff. Thank you so much, Pastor Danny, for being here today. And I'm looking forward to hearing what God's put on your heart. Um, Jeff was quick to say just how fast Danny said, yes, I'm in, I'm there. I love Jetson. I'm willing to help out in any way I can. And that means a lot to us. So thank you. Uh, for being here today. And thank you if you're visiting with us today at Judson. We really appreciate your presence here and we want you to know how much we're grateful that you've chosen to worship in this place with us. We just ask you to do one thing for us. After the service is over, if you'd head out to the Next Steps desk in the lobby, give us a little bit of information so we have a record of your visit and we'll give you a gift bag. It's got some fun things in there, but it's also got some great information about the church that we want you to have so that you can connect with us. And if you are uh, worshiping with us online, you can get that same information if you scan the QR code that's on your screen right there, or if you'll text the word live to the number that's on your screen, and we'll send that information, a lot of it, to you digitally. Um, and then a pastor will also be in touch with you this week, so we can answer any questions you might have about that and how you can connect with us. And I hope you'll make plans, if you're streaming, if you're in the Nashville area, to Join in and be with us in person as soon as you can and uh, come and get your own gift bag when you're here in person. You can do that. Uh, but come worship with us when you have the chance. We want you to be here and this is where uh, the family of God gathers and we want you to sense that and, and know how at home and welcomed you'll be when you come. So uh, right now, let's stand back up, turn and greet some folks that are around you this morning. Make sure everybody feels welcome today.
song is relatively new to us, but I love what it says, a declaration of our desire to follow the Lord. Your love, O oh Lord, is strength to my soul. Hope for tomorrow, it won't let go. Your presence is the joy. say amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know about you, but in order to do that, there has to be a lot of trust, doesn't there, in the one we follow. To know that our Lord Jesus, he will never take us to a place that will harm us, but it will be for his glory and for our good. And I believe that this morning. I hope you do. Let's sing this together. All your ways are good. All your ways are good, all your ways are sure, I will trust in you alone, higher than my sight, high above my life, 
song this week and getting ready for today and it made me start thinking about uh, John chapter 6 where Jesus began to teach some things that were difficult things that were challenging to the listener and he was talking about himself being Messiah and being the bread of life and some of the disciples said these are hard things to hear we're not sure what he means by all this it was confusing to them some of the disciples began to leave and they gave up on following Jesus and Jesus turned to the 12, it says in John 6, and he said, are you going to leave me also? And like we can always count on Peter, right? He stepped up. And Peter said, Lord, where else would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. They got it by then, right? And they staked their life on it, just like we have. We've said, where else would we go? We're gonna stay right here with you, Jesus. We're gonna follow you all the way. So this is the declaration for us today to say, I will follow you wherever you lead. Let's sing this together. In you, there's life. In you, there's life everlasting. In you, there's freedom for my soul. In you, there's joy
Let's pray together this morning. Lord, that's our declaration today, that wherever you lead, we will follow. Lord, we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, knowing that through your death on the cross, Jesus, that the plan of redemption would be fulfilled and that we could be saved, that we could be rescued, that we could be redeemed. Lord, we thank you for your plan of redemption completed in Christ on the cross and in the empty tomb. We celebrate every time we gather here, Resurrection Day, that we have life in you. You alone have the words of life, Jesus. So we will go nowhere else for our wisdom, for our courage, for our hope, all of that we find in you. So today, Lord, we ask you to fill us with your spirit, to guide our hearts and minds as your messenger comes to preach the word today. Give us spiritual ears to hear, spiritual eyes to see you for who you are, God. Move in this place, Lord, in your power. Have your way in each heart and life. We love you and we worship you today and you alone. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, Judson family. It's great to be with you here this morning. So this is not a rhetorical question. I really do want to know, by show of hands, how many people were here last week for Easter? So good. We've got a majority of you. Uh, hopefully you were listening closely. Uh, Pastor Jeff uh, went through Luke uh, 22 and 23, and we're going to kind of continue with that into Luke 24 today and look at a section of that. And then next week, he'll be able to hop back in to look at Luke chapter 5. And I was talking to Jeff about this uh, last night just as we were uh, discussing a little bit. And uh, he's uh, told me that you guys are kind of walking through Luke, kind of verse by verse, chapter, uh, chapter by chapter. And I just want to commend you for that. Um, it, it is something that, uh, that not a lot of uh, churches do. And I know there's lots of different ways that you can walk through Scripture and do different preaching series. And I, I think that there's just, yeah, lots of different ways. One of the advantages of going through a book of the Bible like this is that you not only learn the Bible, uh, but uh, you learn how to read the Bible and interpret it and apply it. And so I, I just want to thank you for that. I want to commend you for that as a church. And it's probably exciting where you're at in, in you know, uh, first couple chapters. Then you might in the middle go, oh, my goodness, can't we do something else? I'm sick of going through the Gospel of Luke. But I want to encourage you to persevere, and I know that God will bless you for that. Well, one of the things I love about what we're going to look at today, this passage in uh, Luke chapter 24, is that on uh, one side of the spectrum, there are some very easy observations, some things that we can draw from it and are easy to understand and apply to our lives. But there's also some things that we're going to read today that 
are completely mysterious, that I can't even explain them, can't explain them in the physical sense. And uh, so I, I just love that we're going to be able to do that together here this morning. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Uh, let's pray. And then we're going to dig in uh, together this morning. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you again so much just for who you are, that we've had an opportunity to give you thanks and honor and glory. Thank you that you are not a distant God, but that you're a God that has chosen to reveal yourself to us. Revealed yourself to us through your son. You've revealed yourself to us through your holy word. And we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be active and present, not only in the preaching, but also the listening and applying of your word. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. All right, so if you want to open your Bibles up to Luke 24... Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 13 through 35. So I know it's a little bit longer of a section, but what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into four different chunks. And uh, we'll read a chunk, we'll kind of make an observation, and then some application uh, from it, and then uh, continue to move on. So we're going to start by just reading the first three verses. Uh, I believe it will be projected on the screen as well, too. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about the things that had happened, and while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, you can just kind of um, pause right there, and... uh, just to give a little bit of, of context, uh, this is uh, happening on the day of the resurrection. So this is really following up to what, we, uh, what you uh, studied last week. And uh, of course, this is happening kind of in between Jerusalem and this city that's named Emmaus. Now, during this time, scholars don't have a real concrete answer about how big Jerusalem was. They're kind of all over the map of, you know, oh, I think it was this, the population was this amount. I think the population was that amount. But here's all you need to know is, you know, it's, it's the large city. So if you want to kind of paint a picture in your mind, let's just imagine it's Nashville, okay? And uh, the, the two that are described here are walking to Emmaus, seven miles away. So we'll call it a suburb or a little village. And what's more important and what you know, you've been looking at these last number of weeks, is that this was happening during the Passover, the most important Jewish festival. And so because of that, this city was, you know, doubled or even tripled in size because people were coming from all over. They were coming from the nearby suburbs, but people would make a trek for hundreds of even thousands of miles to be able to be in Jerusalem because that's where the temple was, and to be able to celebrate the Passover there. And as I mentioned, this was a, um, you know, this is happening after uh, the resurrection of Jesus, though uh, these two here are not completely clued into that yet, which we're going to figure out. Here's, here's though, the observation just from these uh, first three verses uh, that I want you to write down, and that is this, is that Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers, Okay, now I'm going to need to explain this a little bit. Um, Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers. Okay, we live 
and in a day and an age of influencers. I'm not sure if you're even kind of familiar with that term, and some of you may or may not be. Uh, some of you may or may not be involved uh, on, on social media, but I want to explain a little bit because it even kind of ties into our passage. Okay, an influencer is someone who has all sorts of followers on their social media, and so everything that they do and say and wear and buy and eat um, has influence on other people. Okay, so they'll take a picture of them, you know, the restaurant that they ate at, the country that they vacationed in. Um, they'll, whatever they say about political leaders, they have influence because they have all of these people who are following them and watching their every move. Uh, the female on Instagram with the largest amount of followers is 381 million. Think of that for a moment. Something that she says or does, her name's Selena Gomez. She'll, she'll, you know, she, she's this, uh, you know, she's an actor, act, she's an actress and, and, a, a, and a singer. So she does this, she has, she has influence. But there's tons of people like her that have this influence. And, and we live in this day and in this age. And likewise, during Jesus' time, there were also influencers. I know there was not social media but you learned about them last week as Pastor Jeff was talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There was Pontius Pilate, so you have the, the, the Roman government. Here's why I think that even within these three verses, this is kind of why I say Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers. When I read scripture, one of the things that I love to do is to kind of imagine that I'm there kind of immerse myself kind of into the pa passage. What are the surroundings? What does it look like? What's the city look like? What's the feel? Then I like to think of the different conversations and how would I respond to the different things that were going on? How would I respond to the different conversations? So as I'm reading this passage, I like to imagine myself as Jesus. My wife says, Danny, you don't make a good Jesus. Okay, so stop. But just hear me out here for a second. Okay, if I were Jesus, remember what just happened throughout this week. The Pharisees, the influencers, the Sadducees, the government officials, the soldiers, what were they doing? First of all, they were brutally, even physically harming Jesus, right? He was whipped, he was beaten, he was crucified, but on top of that, they were mocking him. Remember that? You remember even some of the things that they were saying, the soldiers were like, if you're really the son of God, get down off that cross, or, you know, you're the king of the Jews, so we're going to make this crown and we're going we're to put it on your head. Now, all these different things saying, you're, you are not the Messiah. You, no, you cannot uh, rise from the dead. And so if I were Jesus, if I rose on that third day, you want to know who the first person I would go back to? I'd be going to the Pharisees and Sadducees and saying, booyah, told you so, I'm right, you're wrong, but Jesus doesn't do that. Isn't that interesting? So maybe I should change it just a little bit this way, is that Jesus didn't go to the influencers, but instead Jesus went to the ordinary people. He really went to the nobodies. See, because Jesus doesn't care about status. He, he had a very clear call. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And really, the lost is everyone. So yes, he actually does care about the influencers. He cares about the Pharisees, and he cares about the Sadducees. 
but he didn't care about status. That wasn't his driving point. As he was even showing himself in the resurrected form, he goes to these two that we know almost nothing about. Here's why I think that this is important and just maybe even a small application point for some of you that are here today or joining us online. I have to imagine that in a room this large that there's got to be someone at some point and maybe even in your life now where you go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm not like all of the people that I see on social media or I just, you know, I, I, I don't have a good job title, don't have a nice house, don't have a car, don't have retirement. I'm just, I'm just a nobody. Here, here's the thing is that oftentimes that bleeds into our relationship with God or our non-relationship with God. Why, why would God care about me? Why would Jesus care about me? Well, maybe, maybe today that's the only thing that you needed to hear, that it's just even just your first step and to understand that Jesus cares about you. Jesus doesn't care about your status. He cares about you. Let's continue to read on because this starts to get uh, really good. So th- these two are walking along. They're going from Jerusalem. You know, they're, they're walking to Emmaus. Um, Jesus, it says, shows up next to them. Verse 16, <clears throat> but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, uh, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that would redeem Israel. Okay, we'll start out. You can just write the observation down right away this time. They were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. They were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. You remember that I kind of started out saying, hey, this passage, I love it because there's so many things that are easy to understand, easy to apply. Got some good theology that we're gonna learn from this text. Um, But there's some things that are kind of mysterious and kind of, unexplainable. Verse 16 is one of those. So, so they're walking along. Jesus joins them, and it says they do not recognize Jesus. Now, you could maybe mistakenly think, oh, this was, you know, like a case of mistaken identity. Like maybe, you know, Jesus had a scarf on, and he was kind of like hiding himself. Uh, but as we read through the passage, and there's some other times in Scripture where you really have Uh, uh, God kind of spiritually blinding, not allowing them to know and to recognize that it was Jesus who was walking with them. Now, the great thing about it is that we become benefactors of this, right? Because now that this is in Scripture, we have this conversation that happens between Jesus and these two that are walking, Cleopas and, we don't know, it's maybe one of his friends, it could even be his wife. We know very little about them. 
And Jesus asks them a question. Jesus knows the answer, right? He, we've been down this path before where Jesus asks them questions. He knows the answers. But then, because of this, we become the benefactors of it. So they're blinded that it's Jesus. But there's kind of a second blinding here. And that is, is that they did not understand the work of God. And we get this through the conversation. Because they start to say, well, here is, is who we think Jesus is, and here's kind of the expectation that we had of this Jesus guy and this Messiah. Now, what we don't know, we don't know how long-standing their relationship was. We don't know if they had just got to know Jesus over this last week in Jerusalem and heard him. You know, we don't know how, how close relationally. Maybe they had met Jesus years ago as Jesus was traveling around the region, they know a good amount of information. So it's probably a little bit more than just knowing him the, the last week. Um, but here's, here's what I love is that they start to make some statements about who Jesus is. And the statements are all true. However, however, and this is a big however, They're half-truths. They're not the full story. Okay, let's let's walk through these. And and again, I I don't want to keep just referencing back to last week. But honestly, if, if you were here last week, Pastor Jeff drew some of these out. And we see it here again in this passage. And so it's so important. Number one, it says, oh, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Okay, so let's even just stop there. They make a statement about who Jesus is. He is a man. That is a true statement. That's what we celebrate during Christmas, right? Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Jesus is a man. But that's only part of the truth. Jesus is fully human, but Jesus is also fully divine. Jesus is fully God. And so these two, who it says that they're walking along this path and they're discussing, and the Greek word there actually means that they were debating. They were, you can tell that they're wrestling. It says that they were sad. They're distraught. Okay, they're trying to make sense of everything that just happened in this last week with the, with the crucifixion of Jesus. And so they're, they're recounting back. They're like, oh yeah, Jesus, he was this man. Okay, true, but not all of the story. Who was a prophet mighty indeed right Jesus was a prophet and he had powers he he did miracles he fed people he healed them of their diseases and so they were absolutely right he had this amazing power however he didn't come just as a healer he didn't come just as a teacher that's the other thing that he you know was um, power in word Right, he could speak the word of God and make sense of things, but he wasn't just a good preacher, a good teacher, and a miracle worker, and a healer. Jesus made a claim that he was God and that he had the right, the authority, and the power to forgive sins. He came as the actual Savior. And, and maybe, my, maybe my favorite part, is verse 21. They say, and we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And Jesus did come as the redeemer. 
Jesus absolutely came as a redeemer. Now, I have to imagine here that Cleopas and uh, Cleopas's friend here uh, were wearing mega hats, red mega hats. Make Israel great again. Okay, t- too soon, too soon. I'm sorry, don't get distracted, don't get distracted. But, but I want you to think of this for a moment because this is exactly what's going on here. They had an expectation that Jesus was going to come and to redeem the people of Israel politically because of the Roman government who was always oppressing them. And they're like, wait, we're hoping that this Messiah is going to come and they're going to give us our freedom. We can worship how we want. We can make our own laws and our own rules. We can have our own economy, our own you know, money system, all of these things. And that's what we were hoping that this Jesus person was going to do. But now he's dead. And so our expectation has been shattered. Okay, now that's just an observation. These were two people who had a lot of things that were correct about Jesus, but they were only, it was only partial truth. They had missed the important things in that Jesus was the savior of the world, that he was king and Lord. And so maybe even in here today, there's some of you that have some things that are true about Jesus but maybe you're missing some of those, just those final elements to say, oh, you know what? Jesus is a good teacher. He, you know, he was a miracle worker. Those things are true. But is he the savior of the world? So let's uh, continue on because we'll see how they continue to kind of expound upon this. And they say, Yes, and besides all of this, this is verse 21. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in the, uh, early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning from Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them all of the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Observation number three is that hope and faith hinge on the resurrection. Hope and faith hinge on the resurrection. So this is where the conversation shifts, okay? Remember what they're saying? They're sad, they're distraught, they're trying to make sense. Who is this Jesus person? Um, We we can't kind of figure it out. And then they're like, oh, and also one other thing, one other interesting element they're telling Jesus. Um, The the tomb was empty this morning. Now, I like this because oftentimes as Christians, uh, when we talk about you know, like celebrating Easter and Easter week, we, we often say, like, we celebrate the empty tomb. I've said that before as a pastor. You've probably said it. Um, but the empty tomb is, is really only part of it. And it could maybe even leave you um, wondering 
And this is exactly what happened back then, is that rumors started to go out to explain the empty tomb. And there are some, you know, like maybe uh, explanations for the empty tomb. Some of the theories that were kind of put out, some people said, well, maybe Jesus didn't actually die. Maybe he was crucified on the cross, and then, you know, he was put into the tomb, and the rock was so cold that they laid him on that it kind of like helped kind of revive his, his body. That was one of the rumors that was going out. Now, now, mind you, Jesus is walking seven miles, okay? I don't know about you, but, like, if I just, like, stub my toe, I, like, can barely make it, okay? He had, you know, he was pierced in his hands and his whole body and beaten over day, so we, we can just throw that one out. Another one of the rumors that was started um, was that Jesus' body was stolen, that's actually not, not too bad of a theory. Uh, I won't go into all of it, um, but it's actually pretty unlikely, uh, especially if you know the weight of these stones that actually covered it. But more importantly than that, Roman guards, soldiers that would be set out front, if they were to allow the body to be stolen, they themselves would have been killed for that. So that theory doesn't um, you know, uh, hold up as well. But again... These guys are trying to make sense of it. You know, people are starting some of these different rumors uh, that, you know, that are, that are going on. And so what Jesus does here, I love this, is it says that he goes to the scripture and begins to explain this is what has been the plan from the very beginning. Now, if you've spent some time, you know, kind of studying the Bible, you've been you know, you've taken Bible classes and stuff, you'll know that the Old Testament uh, is referred to as the Tanakh. Have you heard that term uh, before? Even if you go to a Jewish synagogue, uh, you would um, maybe hear them uh, refer to the Old Testament as the Tanakh. Uh, I want to explain to you uh, what, what the Tanakh means. It's actually just three Hebrew letters, T, N, and K. The T stands for Torah, which is the law. That's the first five books of the Bible and often referred to as, you know, um, you know, the book of the law, the book of Moses, you know, so you have the T as that. Uh, N is Ne'evim, which is for the prophets, and Ketuvim for the K, which is the writings. That's like Psalms, uh, Proverbs, and um, Lamentations, all of the different writings. So T, N, and K, you have your three there. The reason why this is important is essentially what Jesus does with these two is he walks through from Genesis all the way through the prophets and the writings pointing out saying, did you not see and understand this has been the very plan from the beginning? And I love this. Because if this didn't happen, you, you, know, you, you basically have like, well, was Jesus kind of like this plan B? Was it just kind of a good story to make people feel better? But no, not at all. Instead, what Jesus does is he says, this has been God's plan from the very beginning. All of this stuff needed to happen. And especially the resurrection. Not just an empty tomb, 
but know here that Jesus showed himself physically. This is what the Apostle Paul says, and I love this. He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. I mean, are you capturing what the Apostle Paul is saying? He, he's saying more than anything, the physical resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing. See, there can be things in Christianity that you, know, you maybe debate about and maybe one church or group believes this, another group or church believes that, 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 that's fine. But not with the resurrection. If, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, well then, it was just kind of a sad story. Oh, good man, good preacher, did a lot of good things. He died. That's kind of a sad story. But if Jesus did raise from the dead, that means then that everything that he said is true and everything that was said about him in the Old Testament scriptures is also true. And that's what Jesus says in this conversation. And this is what Jesus proves by showing himself physically to them. So let's look at our last uh, uh, section uh, that we have here. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them at the breaking of bread. So again, I love this. Jesus kind of, you know, playing with them a little bit, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on going. I'm going to keep on walking. They had reached their destination. They're like, no, 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 stay with us. I mean, they just loved all of the things that they were learning from Jesus. Like, please, please, essentially begging him, stay with us. So Jesus does, and they sit down for dinner. And uh, you kind of, in you know, your minds, you can imagine that this is resembling the Last Supper, and then when Jesus breaks the bread, that all of a sudden they recognize who he is. So again, this is another one of those mysterious things. God lifts the veil. They're, be, they're able to understand. And then, and then Jesus vanishes. Again, I, I don't know if this is like, you know, like the Matrix or something, and like, you know, Jesus like, you know, pixelates away. I, I don't know that part of it, okay? But here, this is what they say. It said, did not our hearts burn within us? So they recognize they're so excited, and now all of the dots are coming together. All the things that they didn't understand about Jesus, now they understand because Jesus shared and explained 
from Scripture about himself. And so what do they do? They're so excited they go running back to Jerusalem because they need to tell the other disciples about their news. Now, I don't know about you, but after I'm done with seven miles, that, that's it. That's like my max, okay? And maybe it was for them too, but they were so excited. They run back to Jerusalem, and they're about to, you know, like barge in. Like, we have some amazing news. But guess what? The disciples were already talking because Jesus had shown himself to Simon Peter, had shown himself to Peter, and we learn in Scripture that Jesus showed himself in the resurrected form, the physical form to over 500 people. Right? Physical form. He was eating. He asked them. He says, you know, you can, you can touch my hands. And, and he, had, he had beaten death. So our last observation here is that Jesus is revealed. He is the resurrection and the life. Right? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So all of, those, all of those people then who, who were wondering and, and were having hope in who Jesus was finally, finally had that ability to say, you know what, everything that Jesus said about himself is true. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So in a moment here, I'm going to uh, uh, close. And I, I know that for a majority of you, you, you know this. You, you, you know this story, you know the history of Jesus, you know the crucifixion, you know the resurrection. But there may be some of you in here today that, like these two, had a misunderstanding of who Jesus is and why he came, why he died, and why he had to uh, rise again. And if you've never said yes to Jesus before and placed your faith in him, I want to give you this opportunity when I pray to make the most important decision of your life. And that's to place your faith in Jesus. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, that you are a God that did not leave us in our sin, but that you are a God that sent Jesus to redeem us. And I know, Lord, that all of us probably have misunderstandings and misconceptions of who who you are and we hear so many different things from this world about who you are but I pray that like our passage was today that where Jesus pointed and about himself in the scriptures that the scripture would be our ultimate source for knowing and understanding you and I pray that if there's anyone in this room that has never said yes to you and placed their faith in you or maybe even someone that's watching online right now, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would convict them of their sin, that they would have an understanding that they are a sinner that is separated from you for eternity, and yet that you don't want it to stay that way, and that's exactly why you sent Jesus to live this perfect life, to die a brutal death on the cross, in our place to raise on the third day to prove that he was God, that he had the ability to forgive sins. And that they would just say, yes, God, I believe in you. I place my faith in you. Make me a new person. Create in me a clean heart. And God, that you would seal them until the day of redemption. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's let this be a response from our hearts to the Lord, our confession to him. Let's sing together. comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay sing that again and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay
Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Um, Danny, thank you for always uh, being willing at uh, the last moment. Can we just show Danny our appreciation for the message today? Thank you. Uh, we just have a few announcements today. Uh, tomorrow, our senior adults are leaving on a mission trip to go to Western Heights with uh, Pastor Joe. Uh, so keep them in your prayers this week. And also, um, right now, we have a mission team in Anaheim, California, with our Global Focus partner, Echo Church. So uh, keep them in your prayers, and I think they're traveling back on Tuesday. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a number of baby dedications, which has been great here in our church, um, but we need volunteers. So we are getting ready to open up another um, babies class, and so we need eight volunteers um, to work every other month down um, with our newborns. And so if you're willing to volunteer, if you could see Geraldine and Collins uh, or Pastor Rich and volunteer, we would be uh, greatly appreciative. Um, on Thursday... Uh, we are celebrating our weekday ministry's 50th anniversary. Um, so, which is amazing when you think back in 1973, um, Judson started the weekday ministry. And we've been ministering uh, to families and children uh, for 50 years. So, we're having a birthday party. So, uh, after the service, we need volunteers to help set up and to serve. Um, Kristen Stevens, who is our current executive director, say hi, Kristen. Um, we'll be at the L-shaped desk with Jill Williams. So if you're willing to volunteer, it's from 2.30 to 4.15. Uh, and we'd greatly appreciate your help. And even just come and partake in a uh, little cake and ice cream. So uh, congratulations to the weekday for 50 years. Uh, and the last is uh, next Sunday in both services, we will have a church business meeting. Thank you. All right. Let's stand up and leave with this song in our hearts. As for me and my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will sing of your love forevermore. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. God bless you today.
Good morning, church. It's great to see you here today. I hope you've enjoyed Life Group already. Would you stand? Let's lift our voices together. We're going to sing the gospel today. We're going to sing our testimony today. Glorify our God. Sing it with us. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no
celebrate that today. God so loved. It didn't just say God loved the world. God so loved. God loved the world so much. He loves you so much that he was willing to give his son to die in our place, to give us life, life abundant, life eternal. Amen. Sing this together. I searched the world. But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along And put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, yeah. Nothing's better than you, Jesus. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley, and there's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again.
declare that this morning. Amen. There's nothing better than you, Jesus. Amen. Tell you what, take a seat just for a moment, everybody. I want to take a minute to welcome you this morning. And uh, as you're looking up here, you might notice a little something different. And you're right, I got a haircut this week. So thanks for noticing. Uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate uh, everybody's patience in our church that just is so supportive and so uh, willing to go with us in, these, in this journey. We have, just like everyone I know that does what I do in churches all over, we know a few people in churches, and it's always a struggle to get the music balance and everything just exactly right. And we've tried a few different things in this room, and uh, most recently we tried an electronic drum kit. You might not have known that because it looked like a real kit that sat over there. And, uh, and we had some issues with it. It was not working great. What's interesting about that is that you can hear those drums great out there. Up here, we don't hear them at all. And so that's very strange for musicians to have a drummer playing and up here you hear none of it. So it's a very unusual experience and uh, we've tried it and, it's, and there's some great things about it. Um, but we wanted to try also going back to an acoustic drum set, like a real drum set. Uh, and in so doing, contain it in a, in a booth like this that helps control the sound and helps us to mix it just right and try to get it uh, tweaked in. Obviously, this is our first Sunday to try it, and so we're grateful that you guys are supportive as you are and, and patient with us as you are, and that means so much to our whole music team. Thank you. But I do want to give a shout-out to uh, a couple of guys who just gave hours and hours and hours to trying to make this exactly right. And that's our media director, Eric Uplinger, and John Hammond back here that plays drums for us. And, uh, you know, in, in a lot of ways, this is my job to get all this right. But these guys really stepped up and helped in so many incredible ways and spent a lot of time and really days um, uh, over the last few months, but especially this week to get this ready. So I just want to say thank you for to them especially and, uh, and, and for y'all and for supporting us and being patient as we kind of figure it out in steps along the way. So thank you for that. Um, I also want to say that our, our beloved pastor is not feeling great. Do you, want, you have a report for us, Kathy? Better? Okay. Yeah, not 100%. He got a little bit of this stomach bug thing that I, I've heard a lot of people actually lately. Uh, so we are just really feeling for him today and so sorry. Jeff, if you're watching, we're praying for you. And uh, we have been, and uh, he let us know yesterday he, he was going to try, but he just couldn't do it. So we are so blessed today to have Danny Parmalee back with us, and I want you to make him feel really welcome today. We're so grateful. Even in that kind of a last minute, you know, moment that he could step in, was able to step in and God's put something on his heart for us today. And I believe, you know, none of this is a surprise to God, right? So uh, it's good to know that God had something ready for us in Danny today and that uh, we're looking forward to hearing what that is. So we're grateful for that. And if you are visiting with us at Judson, we are so grateful you're here today. This is a great day to be here, to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. I pray that you feel welcome today, that you feel at home today. And we really just ask one thing from you, that after the service, if you'd head out to the Next Steps desk in the lobby and give us just a little bit of information, we've got a gift bag for you that's got some fun things in there, but it also has some great information about the church. We want you to have that so you can know how to connect with us and help us connect with you. So we want you to know about life groups. That those are small groups that where we study the Bible together uh, all over the campus. That are, those are happening right now as well as in the first hour. So um, we want you to know all about those and the options you have, not only for you, but for your kids and grandkids and your whole family. Uh, we're a multi-generational church family that is leading people to take their next step in following Jesus. 
And if you're visiting with us and you don't know us yet and know all of that, we want you to know that and have that information. So after the service, head out there and we've got that for you. And uh, if you're online and you're worshiping with us that way, you can get the same information, most of it, digitally if you will scan the QR code that's on your screen right there or text the word live to the number that's there on your screen and that will come to you automatically as well as a pastor will be in touch with you this week. We really appreciate it. We have so many people, dozens of people that stream in with us every single week and uh, it's amazing that we have that technology and so grateful that you can be with us like that. If you're in the Nashville area, I hope that you'll come and visit with us in person really soon and get to experience uh, the warmth and the friendliness of our church and, and all of what God is doing here. So please make plans to do that when you can. So right now, all around the room, if you would stand up, turn and greet some folks that are around you this morning. Make sure everybody feels welcome today. this together. Your love, O oh Lord, is strength to my soul. Hope for tomorrow, it won't let go. Your presence is the joy of my life. To you I lift my eyes. As for me, Singing in every room, yeah. 
this morning. How many of you would raise a hand this morning and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You willing to say that today? Whatever that takes. As for me and my house, Lord, we want to serve you the best we know how. We want to follow you. And that means laying our life down and trusting in his ways. song Sunday today, and we've just been studying in John, I think a lot of us have in life group, but back in John 6, it reminded me of this story where John, excuse me, Jesus began to teach 
what the disciples thought were some difficult things, some challenging things about him being the Messiah, about him being the bread of life, about his flesh and his blood. And it began to kind of scare some of the people, concern them. They didn't understand. And John records that a lot of the people who had been following Jesus gave up on him. Do you remember this? And they began to walk away. And Jesus turned to the 12, it says, and said, are you going to leave me too? These are tough things. Are you going to leave too? And of course, we can count on Peter. He stepped up. And he said, Jesus, where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. They believed. They staked their life on it. They said, no matter what, we'll follow you. Wherever you go, we're going to go. In you, there's life. You have the words of life, Jesus. So let your faith rise to that today as we continue to sing this. In you, there's life. In you, there's life everlasting. In you, there's freedom for my soul. In you, there's joy together. Tell him right where you are that you will follow him. Where you go, we will go. Where you show us, Lord, that you need us to be, we're reporting for duty this morning. We're saying, yes, Lord. Now, what's the question? What would you have us to do? Lord, we wait on you this morning. We come to you asking you, what do you need from us? As is so often true, we come to church looking for what we can receive. Lord, right now in this moment, we want to offer you what you need from us. We humble ourselves, Lord. You are our authority, you're our Lord, sovereign creator, savior, redeemer. And we bow before you and you alone today. And what would you have us do? Where would you have us go? Speak to our hearts, Lord, as we look to your word this morning, as we hear from your messenger. So thankful that 
Pastor Danny can be here. We just ask you to speak through him, Lord. Open our spiritual eyes. Help us to see you. Open our spiritual ears, Lord. Help us to hear your voice today and say yes. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, good morning, Judson Church of Family. How about another round of applause just for the choir and worship team? And, and you know, if this uh, drum thing doesn't work out, I could probably take it home and keep my kids in it when they're uh, bad, you know, kind of like a timeout thing. So, but uh, so, so good to be here uh, today. So, this is not a rhetorical question, but honestly, show of hands, how many were here last week for Easter Sunday? So good, a majority of you, and you did Luke 22 and 23, and what we're going to be looking at today is a section from Luke chapter 24, and a lot of the things even that I'm going to be referencing today have kind of built upon last week's message, and I was talking to Pastor Jeff, and he told me that you guys are actually going through the entire book of Luke, so next week... You'll uh, go back to Luke chapter 5, and I actually just want to commend you uh, as a church uh, for, for doing that. I know there's lots of different ways that you can study scripture and that pastors you know, do different sermon series, um, but I want to encourage you uh, that there is so uh, many advantages uh, to be able to uh, go through an entire book like that, and, and I think that you're going to be blessed by that. I know you're in chapter 5, so there's maybe still some excitement. You might hit that kind of middle of Luke where you're going to be like, oh, you know what, I wish we could just have a break uh, from it, but I want to encourage you uh, to persevere and uh, to see that God's going to teach you not only things from the gospel of Luke, but it's actually going to give you a way to kind of study the Bible uh, that you wouldn't have if you didn't uh, kind of journey through. So we're going to look at Luke 24 today, and I absolutely love this passage. And I love it kind of for two different reasons. One is that there's some observations that we're going to make today, some applications, some theology that are just blatantly clear. It's really easy to kind of understand, understand what's going on. On the other side of the spectrum, the reason why I'm drawn to this passage so much is because there's some mysterious, even unexplainable things. Even things that it's like, man, I've studied many times before, but it's just you, you, we, we can't fully grasp what's going on here. So let's do this. We're just going to bow our heads, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig in uh, to God's word uh, together. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we've even had a chance this morning to just even you know, quiet our hearts and yet lift our voices to be centered on you. Thank you that you're not a distant God, but that you are in our midst, that you've chosen to reveal yourself through your son. You've chosen to reveal yourself through the Holy Scriptures. We just ask that your spirit would be present during this time, not only in the preaching, but also in the listening and the applying of your holy word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke 24. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 35. I know it's a little bit longer of a section, so what we're going to do is we're going to break it up into four different points, uh, four different sections, and we'll kind of just read a section, make an observation, some applications, and then go on to the next. And we're going to start by just reading the first three verses. 
starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to, the vill- to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Okay, so a little bit of just quick context here. This is happening on the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and it's happening somewhere between Jerusalem and Emmaus. Okay, scholars, you know, don't know exactly the population of Jerusalem at this time, but all we need to kind of remember is that Jerusalem was, you know, the major metropolitan city, so we'll just kind of, you know, imagine our minds as kind of like the Nashville but it was surrounded by all these little cities and towns and villages. So Emmaus is kind of like a suburb. Well, maybe not a suburb. It was just maybe a little village. And th- this was happening during the Passover week, the stuff that you've been studying. And you know that the, the Passover was the most important Jewish festival. So much so that people would be flocking from the neighboring towns. Yes, seven miles away, but even 50, 100, hundreds of miles away, people would be flocking to Jerusalem Because God's holy temple was there, and that's where people would come to celebrate. So here we have two, there's a description that two of, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn a little bit about them, but there's not really much that's known about them, and they're walking, and uh, walking along, and then it says that Jesus draws near to them. So here's our first observation, okay, is that Jesus didn't give a rip about the influencers. Okay, Jesus didn't, let, now hang on here just a second, so it'll, it'll make some sense here in a moment. Understand that we live in an age where it's all about the influencers. Now, I know that some of you aren't on social media, but when we talk about influencers, a lot of times we're talking about social media, people who you know, have these profiles and people follow them. You know, right now, the, the female on Instagram that has the most amount of followers, she has 381 million followers. So just think about this for a moment. Selena Gomez. And anytime, you know, she, you know she's, an, she's an actress and a singer, but anytime she goes on vacation and takes a picture where she's at, she's influencing other people. You should visit here, or I ate at this restaurant, or look at these new shoes I got, or this dress. Anything that she does, there is influence. And what happens is we tend to even compare ourselves often to influencers. Now, of course, back in Jesus' day, there wasn't social media, but there still were influencers. There were people who were people of power. So you remember last week as Pastor Jeff was going through the different trials, those were literally the influencers. He talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Pontius Pilate, the government officials, the soldiers, all of these different people were the influencers of the day. Here's why I'm making this observation just within these first uh, three verses. One of the things that I love to do as I read through historical narrative of Scripture, I like to immerse myself in it kind of just use my imagination a little bit and kind of look around. What was the scenery like? What were the people like? What were they wearing? How would I have interacted in this conversation? How would I have interacted in these different situations? So as I read this uh, part of the verses, I like to imagine that I'm Jesus, which my wife reminds me all the time. Danny, you don't make a good Jesus, okay? (laughs) But here, I I like to think, and, and here's what I mean by that. Remember what Jesus went through 
I mean, physically beaten, tortured, crucified. But on top of that, the amount of ridicule and mockery that he was receiving and experiencing from the influencers. Remember that, oh, you're the king of the Jews, we're going to put this crown on your head so they give him the crown of thorns. Or remember the soldiers laughing at him like, ah, if you're really who you say you are, why don't you come off of that cross? You know, everyone's making fun of him like, oh, you, you aren't, you're, you're just a crazy person. So here's the thing. If I'm Jesus and I raise from the dead, you want to know the first person that I'm going to? I'm going to the Pharisees and Sadducees and I'm like, booyah, here I am. I did it. I'm right. You're wrong. Told you so. But that's not what Jesus does. I find this so fascinating. Jesus essentially goes to two nobodies. Okay, we, we know, we, we'll get here in a second. The name of one of the person is, uh, is Cleopas. But that's all we know. We just know their name. We don't know if they were some, you know, disciple, you know, how, how much they knew Jesus. We, we know nothing. And then the other person isn't even named. Could have been his friend, it could actually be uh, his wife. And, uh, but this is who Jesus decides to appear to after he raises from the dead. Here's why I think this is important, and, and maybe this is for someone who's in this room, is to understand that Jesus does care about everybody. So even my sermon point, it's, it's, it's not that the observation, it's not completely true, because Jesus actually does. He cares about everybody. But the fact is, is that Jesus doesn't care about status. Okay, Jesus doesn't care about status. He, he didn't care about the degrees, the amount of influence that people had. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And we learn from scripture that all of us are lost. And so he was willing to go to even some no-named people. And, and there may be some of you in here that at some point in your life, or maybe even right now, you're just thinking, I'm a nobody. You compare yourself, not even necessarily to the big influencers out there, but you just look at your family and friends and you go, I, I don't have a job title, a good job title. I don't have a house. I don't have a nice car. I, I, I don't do anything important in my life. I'm just a nobody. Here's the thing is that sometimes when you say, I, I'm just a nobody, it bleeds into your relationship with God. Or, or your non-relationship with God. And, and I, I'm just here to tell you that Jesus absolutely cares about you. So maybe you just needed to hear that here this morning. Let's continue to pick up. Let's look at verse 16, what happens. So Jesus comes. You know, these two are talking. Jesus, um, you know, joins in the conversation. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem 
Israel. Hagen will get the observation right away, is that they were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. Okay, they were blinded of Jesus and the work of God. You may remember that I started out saying, hey, there's some things in this passage that are going to be really easy to comprehend and understand. There's other things that I'm still like scratching my head. I've, you know, gone to Bible school, the whole deal, been to seminary. Um, Jesus, uh, the, when Jesus joins them, they don't recognize Jesus. And this is not like a case of mistaken identity. Like Jesus didn't come up and, you know, like have a scarf around his head and, you know, he's just looking through the eye. Uh, what happens here is that God spiritually does not allow them to know that this is Jesus who they're talking to. Okay, and part of it might be because then we become the benefactors of this because we get to kind of listen in on this conversation and we're going to be able to learn uh, things from this conversation. And what happens is, I love this, Jesus is like, so what are you guys talking about? I mean, Jesus knows what they're talking about. They're like, oh, gosh, are you the only one that hasn't been? I mean, I mean, everybody knows in Jerusalem. The thousands and thousands and thousands of people, everybody is aware of what happened. And Jesus is like, tell me more. And it's in, these, uh, in this question, kind of a setup question, that they begin to explain who Jesus is and how they understand Jesus and the expectation that they understood of Jesus, what they were expecting from him. And that's really the second part of what I mean by that they were blinded to Jesus and they were blinded to the work of God. And this is what I find absolutely fascinating about this passage is that they begin to make statements about Jesus that are true. Everything that they say about Jesus is true, and yet the truth is are only half-truths. It, it's not the full understanding of Jesus. They don't say any lies. They don't even have anything that's wrong, but they don't have the full picture yet. Let me, let me show you exactly what I mean by this. So I love this. They said, hey, we wanted, what we're talking about is Jesus, a man. So we'll start right there. They say that Jesus is a man. Absolutely true. Right? This is what we, this is what we celebrate when it's Christmas time. Emmanuel, God with us, right? Jesus, you know, is God in the flesh. Okay, so Jesus is a man, but he's not only a man. Jesus is not only fully human, he's fully divine. God, he is fully God. They hadn't grasped that. They aren't at a place of belief. So they have part of the truth, just not all of the truth. Continues to go on. Um, who was a prophet mighty indeed. Pastor Jeff talked about this last week. Right? They knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. You know, he was providing food for people. He was healing, um, you know, people that were blind could see, people that were paralyzed could walk again. So he was creating these, these miracles. It says that he was um, mighty in word. In other words, he was an amazing preacher and teacher. He was telling them things about God the Father. He was telling them things just even about life. And people were just blown away. These are all absolutely true. He was a prophet. He was a miracle worker. 
he, you know, he was, uh, he was a great um, preacher, but that's not the full truth. See, the thing is, is that Jesus uh, uh, also made claims that he was God and that he had the ability to forgive sins. They don't mention that. So again, all true statements, everything that they said, but um, he also had the ability to forgive sins. Now, this is my favorite part, is verse 21, and that is the expectation, because it says up here, remember, it says that they were sad. It says in, in verse 17 that they were sad. They're, they're wrestling. Actually, the word that's described here as they're discussing these things is almost like this robust debate the two of them like, oh, we just can't make sense of it. This happened to Jesus. Are, are we wrong somewhere? So they're, they're, they're wrestling through this. And I love this in verse 21. And we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So again, as I'm imagining this in my mind, I'm thinking of Cleopas with his red mega hat on. Make Israel great again. Okay, okay too soon, too soon, okay. I don't want to lose you here, but, but, but... Use this as a moment, their expectation of what Jesus was going to do was going to be a political redemption. Like, oh, we have this Messiah who's coming, he's going to set us free. Because remember that the Romans, they were oppressive to them, and they're thinking, we're going to have our own country, we're going to have our freedom, we can make our own rules, we can have our own laws, we can worship the way we want to worship, we'll have our own economy, this is going to be great. And Jesus, this powerful you know, um, miracle worker, he's going to set all of these things into motion. And it is true that Jesus came to redeem, but it wasn't politically. It was to redeem. It was to gather a people back to himself. So they knew a lot about Jesus. They even had a lot of true statements about Jesus, but they didn't have the full picture. And so even the application for us is do you fully understand Jesus? Now, I'm guessing in this room, most of you do, but there may be some of you go, you know what? You know, the only thing I really know about Jesus is what I you know, see on TV or what other people tell me, or I've heard some of these other things about Jesus, but I don't fully know. Or even if you do know these things as you're having conversations with other people, and they say, oh yeah, I love Jesus, great guy. Like, oh, he has so many words of wisdom, amazing to know that there's a difference about knowing about Jesus and actually knowing him. So look what happens here uh, in verse, um, uh, continuing on with, with 21, second part of 21. So they're still talking. They say all these truths about Jesus, um, just not the full truth. And then they're like, yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Kind of important, okay? Right, right now, they hadn't seen him. We're only at empty tomb right now. Verse 25, this is Jesus. He said, um, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And beginning from Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here's our observation. Hope and faith hinge on the resurrection. So the conversation now goes about Jesus, the expectation. And then in verse 21, they're like, but there's just something that's maybe a little bit unexplainable, and we don't really get it. See, the thing is, is that the, you know, some, some of the women went back to the tomb, and it was empty, and they saw these angels. And some are saying that he could be alive. All right? There, there could be these that say that he's alive. Uh, I like this because even as Christians sometimes... You know, around the time of Easter, we say, hey, we're celebrating the empty tomb. And there is something to say about that. We do celebrate kind of the empty tomb. But this moves to a whole nother level when we talk about resurrection. Because there were rumors going around to explain an empty tomb. And you can come up with even some of your own theories. Even today, some people say, oh, well, there was an empty tomb because, um, you know, Jesus really didn't die on the cross. You know, he was crucified, they put him into the tomb, and you know, they put him on this cold rock, and because it was like cold, it kind of like helped kind of revive him you know, back. And, and so he didn't really, it wasn't like this miracle that he rose. Okay, hold on a minute here. Jesus is walking seven miles, okay? If I just stub my toe, I can barely make it about 100 yards. So we'll cross that one off. Uh, some, you know, which we read in scripture, some made rumors and said, well, I, I think we know how we can explain that empty tomb. Um, the disciples stole the body. Okay, now I'm not going to get into all of it, but I mean, just the weight of the stone and, you know, the, the, the Roman guards being out front, they would have been killed if they would have let anybody get into that tomb. So possible, maybe, probable, very, very, very unlikely. Okay, but this is all empty tomb stuff, and no one had seen him up to this point. So what happens then is Jesus uses this as an opportunity, and it says that he begins to explain to them from Moses and through the prophets. Now, if you've you know, been around church maybe a while or you've taken some uh, more in-depth uh, uh, study of scriptures, you know that the Old Testament is referred to as the Tanakh. Have you heard that? term before. It's a term that even if you were to go to a Jewish synagogue, they refer to it as the Tanakh. And the Tanakh is just three Hebrew letters, T, N, and K. The T stands for Torah, which means law in Hebrew. And it's the first five books of the Old Testament that were written by Moses. The N is Nevim, which is prophets. And K is Ketuvim, which is the writings. So that's going to be like Psalms, Proverbs, Lamentations, all of those. And so what we read here is that what Jesus does is he goes back all the way through the Tanakh, all the way through the Old Testament, starting in Genesis, all the way through the prophets and all the way through the writings and says, I want you to understand that this has been God's plan from the very beginning. 
And so Jesus walks him through all of the different prophecies about him, how you know, God's master plan of, of you know, wanting a, a people for himself and how the nation of Israel and that through the nation of Israel would come the Messiah, but the Messiah must suffer these things and be crucified and raised on the third day for the redemption of all of the people of the world. And so Jesus does and explains all of this because of the importance of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection this way, and I, I just love this. He says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I mean, he's basically saying, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, pack it up and go home. This whole thing is a sham. The apostle Paul says, "If, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then we're all imposters. And this whole thing is a sham. Even if there were some good things that Jesus might have said or some good things that you could get from the Bible, it's all, all of it is in vain. And so everything, absolutely everything hinges on the resurrection. And so Jesus explains all of these things uh, about himself. And now let's uh, look at our last section here. Um, starting in verse 28, it says, so, so they drew near, you know, this, this group here, they drew near the village to which that they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table, he took the bread... And he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he appeared and he has appeared to Simon then they told what had happened on the road and how he uh, was known to them in the breaking of bread so our last observation is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So I, I love this. They're walking. They get to their destination. Jesus kind of you know pretends like he's going to keep going further. They say, "No, no, stay with us." And then you have this kind of picturesque where it's kind of resembles the last supper. And Jesus breaks the bread, and then all of a sudden, you know, he vanishes. Again, this is one of those things I can't explain. I don't know if it's like the Matrix, and he kind of like vaporizes, you know. I I don't know, okay? We we don't know. There's certain things from Scripture we just go, we we don't understand. But the point that's really important is that Jesus showed himself in the physical resurrected form to these two. Okay, he was literally eating with them, so it wasn't like Jesus was this ghost alongside of them. He eats later and just... You know, the, the next uh, few verses with the disciples, he eats fish with the disciples later on. So he showed himself in the resurrected form. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so what do they do? They're so excited about this. After this entire journey, they run back. I don't know about you, but after seven miles, I'm done. Okay, I probably can't even make it that far. But they're so excited. They're like, we have to tell 
the other disciples are about to say, run back to Jerusalem. They're about ready to barge in. And what are, what are all the disciples saying? Guess what? Jesus is alive. Because Jesus showed himself also to Simon Peter. And we learn from scripture that Jesus showed himself in the physical resurrected form to over 500 people. Why? To prove that he was God and everything that he said about himself and everything that was prophesied about him for thousands of years was absolutely true. And so we can believe that when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, that we too can believe in that. So as we close here in a moment, I know that many of you have already made that decision. You, you know that in your heart of hearts. And let this be a time that that just reaffirms that you're encouraged that Jesus showed himself in that resurrected form. But maybe there are some of you that are like these two, where you've known about Jesus, you've known a few different facts, and they've even been right facts, but you've never crossed that line of faith and have never said, yes, I I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. So beyond just a teacher and a miracle worker and a healer, that he's a savior of the world, but he can be the savior of me. And so what I would like to do is to lead in a time of prayer. And uh, you're welcome to pray along with me uh, if you've never done that. And even uh, after the prayer time, I'm going to be up here up front. And if you want um, me to pray with you, it would be my delight and my honor to be able to do that as well. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, We just praise you and thank you again just for who you are and that you love each and every one of us, that you don't care about status, you don't care about where we've been, the things that we've even done. Thank you that you sent Jesus to live a perfect life, but to die a brutal death on the cross in our place that we deserved to raise on the third day to prove that he was God. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone in this room that has never said yes to you, that even right now in their own words from their heart, that they would just say yes. God, I am a sinner. I understand that I'm separated for eternity from you, but I now understand how much you love me that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I place my faith and trust in you. Give me a new life. Create in me a clean heart. Make me a new creation in you. You will now be the Lord of my life. And God, for the rest of us, may we just be encouraged refreshed in our faith. May we have Resurrection Sunday be not something that just happens in a calendar year a couple times, but Lord, that we would carry around the joy and the hope that we have, that we too will be reunited with you. In Jesus' name we pray.
sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you seated. Good morning. Uh, Danny, thank you for uh, once again on very short notice coming and being with us. And can we just uh, show our appreciation uh, for Danny this morning? We just, set, we just have a couple of announcements here. Uh, the first is uh, tomorrow our senior adults will be going on a uh, mission trip to Western Heights. So please keep them in your prayers this week. They return on Wednesday. 
Um, we also have a mission team right now um, in Anaheim, California, uh, that are getting ready to serve um, with our global focus partner, Echo Church. So uh, I believe that team comes back on Tuesday, uh, so keep them in your prayers as well. Um, a couple weeks ago, people probably remember we had uh, a large baby dedication. Well, that, that, those babies that are now in our church, we, we, need, uh, we need to open up a new baby class. And so, which is a great praise. And what we need is we need volunteers. So uh, Pastor Rich and uh, Geraldine uh, have asked, we need eight volunteers every other month uh, to start up our babies class. So if you would be interested and if you feel led to um, volunteer there, see uh, Geraldine or Rich uh, after church. Um, this week on Thursday, we're having a birthday party. Our weekday ministry uh, celebrates its 50th year in existence of service in the community. Um, so we plan on having a little birthday party. We're going to have ice cream, cake, and we're, we're inviting past teachers, past executive directors to come back. Uh, and we invite all of you as well to come celebrate. It's 2.15 to 4.30 on Thursday. Um, we do need volunteers to help set up, tear down, and, and also to serve. So if you'd be willing to serve that day, um, Kristen, our executive director, who's sitting in the back, uh, and Jill Williams will be at the L-shaped table um, and would love to have you uh, sign up to volunteer. Um, next Sunday, we have our regular church business meeting at both services. And then today, right after service, uh, Pastor Jack has his budgeting class and that has been moved. We initially were having it in the gathering room, but it's going to be in 2106B. So if you've signed up for that, head on over to 2106B. And then last is, uh, is our offering. Our offering baskets are available in the lobby, uh, or you can give online through uh, the Church Center app. Thank you. Thank you, David. Everybody stand one more time as we go today. I love the chorus of this newer song we've been doing, As For Me and My House. Let's declare that today as we go. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will sing of your love forevermore. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Amen. God bless you today.